0: Hey Everybody thank you so much for checking out our YouTube channel and we're excited to bring you this sermon from our latest series when worlds collide and this series is all about relationships and it's going to help you build healthier relationships uh, with your friends with your family in your marriage. And if if you're single, help you get the tools to find the right one that God has chosen for you. Uh, If you enjoyed this sermon, we encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And also, if you want to help us get these sermons out uh, into the community and out into the world, uh, please feel free to donate uh, to Shore Christian Church with the link provided. Thank you so much. God bless you. And I know He will. All right. Good morning, Shore Christian Church. Wow, what else? I thought they were going to like bring a dog out for us. Or um, Great job putting the set together, and uh, we are so excited to have you. It's going to be hard for me to sit down in uh, moments of this sermon, uh, but Diamond and I are so thankful uh, to continue this series and to share what God has done in our life and uh, built our marriage and share with you about relationships. How many of you guys were here last week? Wow, and you came back. You must have really liked it last week. Who liked last week's sermon? About how? Put a cape on and We need to put the cape back on Jesus and take it off of ourselves. And uh, uh, that video, does that look familiar? Any situations in your household? Um, You know, I remember when we first got married, um, I thought that, like, I had to fix everything. And I'll never forget the first time um, I got in uh, my first kind of fight with Diamond. And I had no idea what to do. This incredible, beautiful woman. She's so angry at me. What did I do? Am I supposed to buy her a gift? Am I supposed to touch her? Am I supposed to like, what am I supposed to say? Uh, because it's, it's challenging in relationships. And the story that we want to share with you guys this morning that I believe ties a lot into what it's like to be in a relationship is found in First Samuel chapter 4. You want to scoot a little closer to me, baby? I'm... I'm... Yeah, get in here. A little closer. Come on, come on. Yeah, there we go. We'll cuddle cuddle the whole time. All right. Here we go. First Samuel chapter one and verse four. Uh, This is the story of this uh, man. His name is Elkanah, and uh, he's got uh, he's got two wives. Already a disaster. Very complicated. send me an email about that. I, I'll, I'll respond. Old Testament, a little bit different uh, to how uh, things operated. Uh, but nevertheless, there's, there's a lot of principles in this. Verse 4 says, whenever uh, they came to sacrifice to the Lord Elkanah, he would give portions of the, of the meat to his one wife, Paniah, and to all of her sons and daughters. Because Paniah was one of the wives, and she could have kids. She had all these children. And then the other uh, wife, her name was Hannah, And she wasn't able to have any children. Uh, But to Hannah, Elkanah gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. But because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her, kept annoying her, kept going at her and irritating her. And this went on year after year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. And then her husband, Elkanah, was like, what am I supposed to do with this woman? She's crying. She's weeping. And, and he starts saying to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? And it's, it's a complicated situation. Let's, let's pray right now. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord God. We thank you so much that We don't have to figure this out alone, that you're with us, Lord God, that you will help us through every season. And we we know that the closer that we get to you, Lord God, the better relationships that we're going to be able to have with others. The more we can love you, the more that we'll be able to love our neighbor. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I I think for a lot of us, um, Hollywood and just the, the whole theme narrative of this world is so focused on falling in love. And I think a lot of our focus many times is all about the falling in love. But the hard part is staying in love. Do you agree? I, I mean, come on. Uh, that, that is so much harder. And, and that, that's why a lot of times people will say to you, you know, uh, uh, it's time to settle down and get married. Because a lot of times the, the, the the painting of marriage is not a great picture that Hollywood paints, that, that the world paints, that sitcoms paint, that it's boring. I got to get serious and get married. It's time to, to settle down. Uh, but I'll, I'll be honest, okay? Uh, the best sex is the married sex. Because it's the way that God made it. It's the way that God intended it. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm not missing out on anything that the world has to offer. The last 11 years I've been married, it has not been boring. There has been nothing short of an adventure that God and Diamond and I have gone on. So I want you to tell you that Hollywood, they have no idea what it means to have a real marriage, to have a godly marriage, and what it means to have godly sex, And because it is the best sex, do I hear an amen from the back row. For my married people, you know what I'm talking about. And, and so, a lot of times, it's difficult though because what is the divorce rate? I, I think I looked it up the other day, it's about 45% of couples are divorced or get divorced. I will have to say, um, every marriage I've performed, uh, the couples are all still together. I'm batting a 1,000. So, uh, if you want me to marry you, your chances of succeeding have already gone up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but it's, it's hard because it's great. The greatest things in life don't come easy. They, they, they take work. They're, they're hard to be able to have. And uh, I, I thought as we're, and, and we could go ahead and roll the music. Um, I thought that the best way to introduce this sermon. The best title that I could give this sermon, as we're gonna uh, talk about marriage and, and what marriage is like and uh, how to you know, go through a lot of seasons in life uh, that are, are a struggle, but that struggle can become the greatest adventure of your life. I thought the greatest title that I could give for that kind of sermon anybody you know, recognize uh, what's playing on in the background is uh, Welcome to the Jungle. all right that's good that's good that's good because marriage I I mean it's it's a jungle it could either be the greatest adventure of your life or it could kill you or it could destroy your emotions it could take you out but um, I want to share and and Diamond and I are going to share three things that that we learned to to overcome to turn that jungle into the greatest adventure of our life, and hopefully your life. Uh, because there's three snakes that uh, we, we found that will try and bite you in that jungle. And um, we're going to talk about the first one, Diamond's going to share about the first one, and that is the, the snake of... Take it away, honey. Go
1: for it. Communication. Good morning, everybody. I'm so excited to be up here this morning with Pastor Isaac and get to share the word, so let me just take a little drink. Okay, let's go back to the text. First Samuel 1, 4 through 8 says, Whenever the day came for... We might say the name's a little different, okay? I say Elkanah. He says Elkanah. To sacrifice, he I'm would right. give portions of the meat to his wife Penina. There's two N's in there. And to her sons and daughters. Bedina. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed her, her womb, her rival kept provoking her to irritate her. This went on year after year. When Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and cried and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? And I believe there's serious miscommunication going on between Hannah and her husband. Hannah is hurting. Hannah needs something from her husband that her husband cannot give her. And not only that, but she's being provoked by a she-devil at the same time. She needs support and encouragement. But her husband, he thinks he's already given her everything she needs. He cannot understand, why are you unhappy? I've given you more than I've given to anybody else. Don't you know that I love you? And they cannot see eye to eye. And I'm sure it wasn't like this in the beginning of their relationship. I'm sure in the beginning, it was blissful. And Hannah was so hopeful. She was thinking like, wow, I'm marrying the man of my dreams. And she was expecting to be able to give him all of these children. And unfortunately for Hannah, it didn't quite come out the way that she thought it was going to come out. And I think that happens in our life too. We have this picture of marriage and we have this picture of how our lives are supposed to be. And sometimes, you know, life throws, a, a, throws us a curveball and it doesn't turn out the way that we had expected it. And it's truly in those moments that we have to press so deep into the Lord and get our strength from Him to do what He's calling us to do. And I met Isaac when I was 20 years old in the summer of 2006. And we met at the Los Angeles Dream Center And prior to going to the Dream Center, the Dream Center is actually a nonprofit. It is an old hospital that they turned into a 24-hour outreach center. And it's just absolutely amazing, and that's why we started the Jersey Shore Dream Center. And um, you're going to hear more about that at the end of this month. We're actually going to be having a Dream Center Day, so you can hear all about that. But um, prior to going to the Dream Center, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Both my parents had drug addictions, and when I was a teenager, my mom went to prison for about five years. And my grandmother raised me and my brother Thomas and our other brothers, and life was not easy for us. We struggled, and my grandma was a saint. She loved the Lord. That's one thing that she did give us. She gave us Jesus, and we're so thankful that that is something that she gave us. But because of my circumstances, I was depressed so from 16 to 18 I dropped out of high school. I know you wouldn't look at me and think that all of this is true but it is and for about two years I myself was um, using drugs and the great thing about knowing that Jesus was real is that I just came to a place in my life where I wanted better for myself. And I didn't know how I was going to do that. I really didn't. The, my relationships all around me, my family, um, it was all dysfunctional. So I didn't know. And I, begre- I began to really cry out to the Lord. I began to really humble myself. and you know it didn't matter if i was high it didn't matter what i was going through i would just get on my knees and cry out to jesus and say lord you know i want you to make a way where there seems to be no way and it truly is a miracle because i saw the los angeles dream center on tv and i i felt it so strong that the lord was telling me that i needed to go there so i went there the day after i turned 18 years old and um, god did such a work in me while i was there i completed The first and second year women's discipleship program. And, um, you know, I was just in a really good place with Jesus. I had a solid foundation in him and, and I knew who I was. And he was just restoring everything that the enemy, you know, had stolen from me. And so when I met Isaac, I was actually in a really good place. I ruined so, that right away. <laughs> no, he didn't. Um, so he came He came in the summer of uh, 2006, and um, I, Isaac has shared before, but um, the reason why he went to the Dream Center was because he played ball. He injured his shoulder, and that summer he couldn't play ball in college, so his dad thought it was a good idea to send him to the Dream Center to straighten him out because he was a... Uh, he was in college and living the college life. And so they just thought it would be a good idea for him to come to the Dream Center. So um, anyways, we met and, you know, there was kind of this instant connection there. And I was a little nervous, you know, I'm thinking, wow, you know, Lord, you know, I've only been here a couple years. I don't really know if I'm ready for this. And then we went out on our first date. And um, I remember just feeling like I needed to share with Isaac about My life and the truth of why I went to the dream center. And you know, at first I was a little nervous because I thought, well, if I share this with him, is he going to think like, you know, we're not going to be compatible or whatever? And so I just trusted the Lord. And he said something to me that just touched my heart so much. And he looked right at me and he said, You are the most special girl I've ever met. And if we don't end up together. I know that we're going to be good friends. And I think at that moment, I started planning our wedding. I instantly <laughs> fell in love. I was like, this is it. Okay, I'm all in, God. you know, And we knew each other for literally five minutes at that point. And I floated back to my room on a cloud, and and I waited for that phone call the next day because he had to fly back to New Jersey, and sure enough, he called me, and he called me every single day. We didn't miss one day in the 18 months that we were dating that he did not call me, and you know, it was just awesome to see what the Lord was doing, and it was like a fairy tale. It really did. It felt too good to be true, you know, with all the years of heartache that I went through, to meeting Isaac and I'm coming to New Jersey and he was flying to California and then I met his parents and his parents were just unbelievable. His dad was a pastor and you know, the moment I met his dad, like he told me he loved me. Like I never felt like I had to prove myself to his parents. Like if Isaac loved me, his parents were gonna love me. And like I said, it really did feel like a fairy tale, right? So after 10 months, we were engaged. After a year and a half, we were married. And, um, you know, I had this idea of what marriage was going to be. You know, I married my Prince Charming and now I'm going to live in New Jersey and things are going to be absolutely perfect. And that was not the case. (laughs) You know, we got married and we moved in together. And the truth is we had a long distance relationship. So we didn't really know each other that well. And there were certain things about Isaac that I didn't know. I didn't know that at 23 years old, you play video games all day long. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that, you know, Isaac was an only child. So, you know, he would torture me and tickle me until I cried and he thought it was funny and I didn't think it was funny. And then he would Dutch oven me at night and I didn't understand why I was doing that. And
0: Only on days that end in Y.
1: <laughs> Taco Tuesday was the worst. I mean, like, wh- what is wrong with you? how could you do that to me? <laughs> but, um, but the truth is when we got married, we had no idea how to communicate with each other. No idea. We came from completely different, different backgrounds. And like Isaac said last week, I was loud crazy and he was silent crazy. And his silent crazy made me even more crazy because he wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> And, um, you know, the phrase, happy wife, happy life. Well, Isaac would say, angry wife, and she might get the knife because there were moments when he thought I was going to kill him because I would just be so full of rage. But um, here's what Proverbs 14:1 says, the wise woman builds up her home and the foolish one tears hers down. There is so much power in that scripture, and we don't realize it. We think the man is the head of the house and all of that, and it's true, but there's something about the wife that either makes or breaks her home. And I'll tell you, my unmet expectations on Isaac was causing me to tear my home down. My unmet expectations led to disappointments. Those disappointments led to bad thoughts about my husband. Bad thoughts like, and I'm sure some of you have been there, you know, thoughts like, he doesn't really love me. If he loved me, then why does he make me feel this way? He doesn't really care about me because if he cared about me, why wouldn't he see what I'm going through? And that's why it is so important that we combat those bad thoughts with the Word of God, with the truth. That was one of the most important things that I had to do in my relationship. And one of the things that I learned at the Dream Center was you have to surround yourself with the right community. I was a 21-year-old bride. I could not call my 21-year-old friends to get advice in my marriage. None. Of, they were barely dating. They were out in the bars. They had no idea how to give me advice on what to do with this new husband that I had. <laughs> I needed to reach out to somebody who could actually give me the truth. And I'm so thankful that I had two solid women in my life who were older, who had been married for a long time. And, you know, sometimes I didn't want to call them because I didn't like what I was going to hear. But I knew that they had my best interest and I knew that they were going to cover Isaac. And I remember calling my mentor, and I remember just telling her everything that was wrong with Isaac, why things were not working, and everything that was wrong. And this is exactly what she said to me. She said, Diamond, you have a husband that loves you. You have a husband that loves Jesus. You have a a husband who provides for you. You have a husband that respects you. You have a husband that comes home every night and he's not out drinking in the bars. You need to think about the good things about your husband. And Philippians 4.8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, think about such things. When I began to focus on the good things about Isaac and thanking God for the husband he had given me, my perspective started to change. And when I realized that Isaac could not make me happy, that he couldn't heal my insecurities from my past, you know, that was only something that was going to be found in Jesus. The environment in our home actually changed. The atmosphere actually changed. And it didn't mean that Isaac was perfect. He wasn't. He wasn't perfect. But he had to be responsible for his relationship with Jesus. He had to work on himself. I couldn't change him. And that's what made the difference in our home. And I am so blessed. I am so thankful for the man of God that Isaac is. And he's a great father. He's a great husband. But most importantly, he is an amazing pastor. And I know you all know that. He works so hard to not only bring you the word, but He's such a visionary. He cares so much about growing this church and pouring into you guys. And that has been my greatest re- reward is standing next to him and watching him become this amazing man of God that you know he's he's received his call and he's running with it. And I'm so thankful that he's doing what God is calling him to do. And one of the greatest advices I actually received was from Pastor Rhonda Isaac's mom. And, you know, we lived with them and they heard it all they heard it all. They heard the fighting, the yelling, you know, and they were so full of grace and mercy. And she would never, ever say like anything to me, just like, are you okay? And you know, if Isaac and I were fighting, she'd just start singing these songs, be kind and compassionate to one another, and kind of drove me crazy. But that was her way of ushering in the spirit to kind of like cover us, you know, in our craziness. But um, here's what she said. She said, she said, don't ever bring up issues when you're angry because the other person can't receive it. It comes off as an attack. And it's the truth. How are we speaking to one another, right? And so, oh, I forgot to mention something. Isaac told me not to go back in my notes, but I have to. Okay, so (laughs) not only have we been married for 11 years, but we've been dating for 11 years. One of the most important things in our marriage has been dating. Isaac has always made it a point to spend time with me. No matter how crazy our relationship got, no matter what was going on, you know, through all the moves, through everything, I knew no matter what on Friday night, my husband was going to take me out on a date, and his love language is quality time, and I love that because, like I said, you know, sometimes life gets so busy and you don't speak to your spouse for couple days. You know, you're just busy. I'm busy with the kids. He's busy with life. and But we know that that date night is a priority, and it's definitely kept our marriage alive. And so as far as not talking, you know, when you're angry, the right time is never date night. You never bring up issues on date night, because date night turns into a bad night, which means no sex that night. So you do not want to bring up your issues on date night. We've done that many, many times. (laughs) And when it comes to communication, one of the things that Isaac would always say to me is it's not what you say, but how you say it. And it's so important that we don't criticize. It's so important that we come in love. And I know it's hard because sometimes we're angry or we're we're full of rage, but that's when you have to go to Jesus. That's when you have to let the Spirit work in you so that when the proper time comes and you can share your heart, it comes out of love and not out of criticism. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger brawling and slander along with every form of malice be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as christ forgave you jesus is so quick to forgive us We are so blessed that we have a Savior that no matter how many times we sin, no matter how many times we fall, he's quick to forgive us. And that has been a staple for Isaac and I. And I know he shared that last week that, you know, there's been moments we've gone to bed mad, but we never wake up mad. We've always been quick to forgive. And what does the Bible say? You know, 77 times 7. You're always going to be forgiving because you're never going to arrive in your marriage. You're always going to be working on things. So that's been one of the staple things for us is quick to forgive. Yeah. Amen.
0: Amen. The, the other day um, I was on the phone. I, th- I think it was Joe. Joe. Hey, Joe. And uh, I'm on the phone with Joe responding. We're talking. And then uh, all of a sudden, um, as I'm talking, my phone rings. And it's Joe calling me. And, and I'm, I'm like, oh my God. Like, like, like how, how long has it been? He's like, it's been like five minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh, what I was saying was so good. And you weren't even there. Lost. Can you, anyone ever happen? That ever happened to you before? It's so annoying. And, you know, talking about communication, I, I feel like that—that that is what happens in so many relationships, is words are coming out of your mouth, but there's no signal. Words are coming out of your mouth, but you have lost the connection with your spouse, with your, your partner uh, in that relationship, because it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's, that's like the, the thing, right? Love your neighbor, love your spouse. But I think there's something even greater than that is knowing how to love your spouse. Uh, one thing that we're going to send to everybody this afternoon is a, a test so you know your love language. Because everybody receives love in a, in a certain way. Some people receive it through uh, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of kindness, uh, gifts. Did I say that one? Acts of service. Acts of service. All right, there's five of them, whatever there. We're going to send that to you so that you can understand how your spouse wants to be loved, receives love, so that you could do that better. Because as a guy, we're, we're, we're fixers. We, we like to figure things out. And the, in the story that Diamond read, Uh, of Elkanah. He, he has this wife who's crying. She's upset. And Elkanah is like, why are you crying? I gave you food. I've given you so much more than, than anyone else. I love you. And I feel like from a guy's perspective, sometimes we, we see our, our wives and they're, they're, they're broken. They're hurting. And, and we think that immediately it's, it's a, it's, it's our, are, it's because of us, and we don't understand why. Why are you so upset? I gave you a house. I, I gave you a car. I put a ring on it. Look at everything that I've given you. I've done so much for you, but we don't realize that it. it's not that we need to fix it. We need to feel it. That That's what Um, our our wives want. They want us to feel what they're going through. And a lot of times we we come home and we give so much at work. We give so much to other people. We give 100% of ourselves all the time at work, in other relationships, and then we come home and we give like 25% of ourselves to our spouses. And I think unfortunately the reason why we do that at times is because we think we could get away with it is we, we, sometimes we treat the people that we love the most the worst. And you know what? For, for all you guys out there, your, your wives don't need you to, to spend more time at work. They don't need you to make uh, more money. They don't need you to, to be able to buy them more gifts. They need you. Amen. And that, and this isn't you, like this, right? This isn't you, I, I, it breaks my heart when I see people just like face in their phone all the time. Your wife, it doesn't matter how much money you make if your face is in your phone 24-7. Your wife needs you to be present. I think it's so interesting how they have those, those rings on the back of phones because I feel like a lot of people are married to their phone. <laughs> if, you, if, if you go to your screen time on your phone and your screen time is more time than you spend with your wife then there's a problem. That relationship probably won't last if you're spending more time with your face in your phone than your face looking at your wife, talking to her on a daily basis. Is this getting through to anybody? It's, it's about, this is how we communicate, talking to each other. And, and so often, like, like Diamond said, talking about expectations, we have all these ex- expectations of our spouse. But let me just say this one thing and then we're gonna move on to the next point. Is don't expect what you don't express. I, I, I'll, I'll say this to the ladies. Men are terrible mind readers. We are not cardiologists. But, but you, it, what's going on in my heart, I don't know what's going on in your heart, Diamond. I know what comes out of your mouth. and you know I do this too sometimes you know anyone ever like you're working really hard but you don't want to ask for help you just want to make a lot of noise while you're working hoping that other people will see you working and then you get angry that people aren't seeing you work but you don't ever open up your mouth and ask for help we can't read your freaking mind people (laughs) and then you get upset at everybody else you can't expect what you don't express if you have expectations in a marriage, if you have expectations in a relationship, express them with words coming out of your mouth. And then if you get disappointed, you got beef. <laughs> but you can't expect what you don't express. And, and so the first snake is, is communication and unmet expectations that will try and bite you. Um, the second one that we want to talk about is comparison. Comparison is a snake that will bite you in that jungle. And Diamond, you want to share about that?
1: Absolutely. Proverbs 1430 said says, A heart at peace gives life to the body. That in itself is a powerful statement. When we have peace, it gives life to our body, but envy rots the bones. And the reason why I believe it says that it rots the bones is because it literally eats us away from the inside out. When we long for something we don't have, when we wish that we had what other people have, we actually forget what we do have sometimes. We forget what God has blessed us with. And I feel like with social media, this is so easy to do because we have a first look into everybody's life. We have a little sneak peek into everybody's life. And the deceiving part is, is people only let you see what they want you to see. So you don't see what's really going on behind the scenes. And I remember there was this time, Isaac and I, we were probably married about four or five years and we were still living in his parents' basement, and we were actually sharing one car because the year before I totaled both of our cars. It's a long story. She rear-ended and, me. and then we had to trade those cars in for this car that wasn't the best car. And, you know, Isaac was working for the church, he wasn't making much money, but we were in a good place. We were happy. We had the kids. And I remember being on social media, and I had this friend from high school who seemed like she had it all the perfect marriage the home, the cars. Her husband's always taking her on vacation. They're going to Disney. They're doing all this stuff. And like I said, in my heart, I was happy, but there was still that small part of me that was like, must be so nice to have a lot of money and go and do all these great things, right? And so... You know, looking at her life, you think that she's happy, that it's all good, it's perfect. And what I didn't realize is that they actually had a marriage that was failing. And they actually ended up getting a divorce. And, you know, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. But you guys all have grace for me, right? <laughs> but here's what I realize: is that if your marriage and you know, all you do is is it's built on the sand, right? It's built on material things. When the winds come and the storms come and the struggles come, it's easily knocked down. But when your marriage is built on the rock, on the foundation, on the word of God, when the storms come, it's gonna stand. And Philippians 4.12 says this, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. How do we overcome the spirit of envy? It's by thanking God for what we have and being content with what he has given us and being happy for other people. That's awesome that, you know, you have all those nice things. I'm believing God that I'm going to have those things one day too. And you know what? When you're content with little, God's going to bless you. And when you're faithful with little, God will bless you with much. And that's really what Isaac and I saw in our lives.
0: What, what makes a great marriage are not things that you see on the surface. What makes a great marriage is not things that you see pictures of. What makes a great marriage are things that are on the inside. And that scripture that Diamond was referring to is one of my favorite scriptures in Matthew chapter 7. I got to stand up for a second. And, and what it says, Jesus is looking at, at all his disciples and he says, uh, you can have two choices. You could either build on a rock foundation or a sandy foundation. And the rock foundation is based off of my words, my teaching, based off of doing what, what, what the Holy Spirit puts on your heart, following God's word. Because this is the thing. No matter what, storms are going to come. Whether you build on a rock foundation or a sand foundation. Storms are going to come. The same recession is going to hit everybody. But the, this is the thing. This is the difference. Is what have you built on? What have you built your marriage on? Have you built your marriage on having a, a, a nice home, being debt free? Have you built your marriage on 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 this job that you have and, and all these things on the outside? Those are good. You you want to have those. I'm not saying that they're bad, but what I'm saying is those things can be gone tomorrow. And if you build your life and your marriage on things that could be gone tomorrow, then when the storm does come, when the dust settles, you are going to be looking confused, saying, I invested so much time, so much of my life on these things that don't even matter. But if you build your foundation on a rock, on the Word of God, on a marriage that we can pray together, that when I'm going through things, I could go to my wife and we could pray together, we could worship together, we could teach our kids God's Word together. I'm telling you, When you build a marriage on that, when you train up your kids in the way that they should go, it will not depart from them when they get older. But my kids are older, and it looks like they haven't gotten a thing that I taught them. But this is the great thing about a foundation. You don't see it on the surface, but it never goes away. So those kids can run away from God, but they cannot run away from the foundation that you put inside of them. And I said that to encourage a a family where your kids are far from God and you are questioning whether or not you did the right thing or you did enough they have it inside of them and you know what when the storm comes in their life and they're like the prodigal son eaten out of a pig pen they are going to remember how good it was in their father's house and they will come back when you build your foundation on a rock but our problem is we build our foundation on comparing ourselves to everybody else and that is the worst thing that you could ever build your security on. It is one of the things that insecure people do all the time. Is you compare where you're at based on the people around you. And it does two things. The first thing that it does is it makes you proud. Like, at least I'm better than that person. But then at the same time, you'll never arrive because there's always someone that's got more than you. And you can never, this this is what it does. Comparison Will prevent you from ever appreciating what you do have, and God can bless you, and people could affirm you, and people could say great things about you. But if you live your life with comparison, and that is where you get your security from, you can't receive anything anybody gives to you. It's like this: Um, you know, we'll we'll take take this cup, honey. This is my happy Valentine's Day mug that I got for Diamond. Happy Valentine's Day, And, and and that's let's just say that's you. Say that's me. That was terrible. That's me. That's me. And, and you're comparing yourself to other people. And then all of a sudden blessings start coming. You, you get a car. You, you, you get a good job. And blessings start coming. And then you're supposed to put the other cup underneath that. There you go, honey. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. We should have practiced this at home. But you you could put that down, honey, if you can. You got that? That's all right. Just spill it all over the place. It doesn't matter. It's part of the illustration. But that's, that's what happens when you live a life of comparison, is you have a hole in your heart. You have a leak in your soul. And you come to church, and you have friends that encourage you and build you up. But it's never enough because you look at this other marriage and you say, look what, look what that husband is buying his wife. Mm-hmm. He, he must love her so much more than my husband loves me because he's never bought me a gift like that. You ever think the reason why he's always buying gifts is to make up for all the mistakes that he's made? <laughs> oh, God, speak the truth. Aren't you glad you come to church where the pastor tells the truth? T-R-U-F-F, Truth. But we want a marriage, we want a love that lasts. I, I want to love that lasts. As we close, uh, I want to tell you about the, the last snake that will try and bite you in a marriage. And that is cursing. <laughs> three curse words in a marriage. The things that you, you just, you can't ever say in a marriage. These are the three, you ready for the three curse words? Always, never, and fact. Fat. Don't don't ever say those. But, you know, we we counsel people all the time. And one of the first things that that we notice is is people, and and we're guilty of it all the time. You never tell me I'm pretty. You never do this for me. You are always late. You are always interrupting me. But I want a love that lasts. And a lot of times we don't realize that the words that we say will produce a harvest that we're going to have to eat one day. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And one of my favorite passages about love is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if we could put it up, it talks about love, what real love is. Not, not childish love, not fairy tale love. There's a reason why all the fairy tales end at the marriage, because nobody wants to see what happens next. But, but this is what real love is. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. Stop keeping score! But three years ago, I don't care, stop keeping score! The reason that you're keeping score is so you could use it for ammunition when you mess up. <laughs> or to get your way to manipulate yourself into getting what you want, and that's why you keep score. Do you think that's real love? No. No. I'm so glad God doesn't keep score. <laughs> oh, aren't you? Yeah. Then why do you? I want to love like God loves. And then and then it's it says. These four always. If you want real love that lasts, these are four always that you have to have. Love always protects. Cover your spouse. Don't run your mouth complaining about him, about her, to all these people. Cover. Cover them. Protect them. Protect what you have. I'm so thankful. My my wife, she protects me. She's not going to go telling everybody all of our business, all of my flaws. She protects me because she knows that there's a gift inside of me that needs to be protected. And there's a gift inside of you that love protects, it doesn't expose. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Always believes that the best is yet to come. Always believes that something better is going to come. Always perseveres. But what I love is these four always leaves to a very powerful never. Love never fails. That if you have a love that always protects, that always trusts, that always hopes, that always perseveres, that is willing to go the extra mile, then you have a love that will never fail. And that's the kind of love that I want to be able to have. Would you just just stand up with me? We've been... We've been married 11 years. We've known each other for uh, almost 13 years. And our testimony is not that, you know, we've been, we, we, we've been in love for, for 13 years. Our, our testimony is that we've been dating for 13 years. Is that I, I didn't settle into anything. We we are always looking at how we could grow our marriage, how we could get through things. And our testimony one day is to be able to leave a legacy of love to, to our children. Diamond grew up with a family that pff, mother was was divorced, father divorced, grandparents divorced. Everyone in her family is divorced. But Our testimony is going to be changing that generational curse into a generational blessing. Where our kids are never going to know what divorce looks like. They're never going to know what a dysfunctional... I mean, we're a little dysfunctional to a degree. I did donate my PlayStation 2 to the children of Africa. So I should get some some kicks for that our first year of marriage. So I, I learned my lesson real quick. But that's what, I want to leave a legacy to my children, to the next generation, because they need it to know what real love is. Would you just stand with me? Did you get something out of this? I know it's a little different, but I I thought Diamond shared a beautiful message on how to communicate, how to stop comparing, and how to stop cursing. Let's just bow our heads right now as we close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord God. And Father, I pray right now for everyone in here. For everyone in here that that is in a marriage that is is in a dark place right now. If that's you, I want you to know that God is not afraid of where you're at in your marriage. That he is a God that will go into the darkest places. I, I want you to know that there is a love that never fails inside of you and that God can restore every area of your marriage. If there has been trust that has been broken, I pray that you will learn to communicate that, use consistency, be able to take that to God and say, God, help us in this. Restore us, Father. I pray for all all the, the couples in here who are, are contemplating marriage and, and they're, they're dating right now. God, I pray that you will open up their eyes to whether or not this is the right person for them or. I pray that they'll be strong enough to to not just stay in a relationship that you're not a part of. not just stay in a relationship because it's their preference or because they don't want to be alone at a wedding any longer. God give them the courage to be able to want a godly relationship, the purpose that you have placed for them, Lord God. And if, and if someone's in here and they're single, Lord God, I pray, Father, that they will be so focused on who they're becoming and not on who they're finding, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you will help restore all the relationships in our life, Lord God, that we could live with healthy relationships, Father God. I pray, Lord God, that you'll help Diamond and I as, as we continue to lead this church. Lord God, strengthen us in our marriage. And we'll give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap if you would.